Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. It's good to um, worship with you on this day in which we're, we're giving thanks to God for the, the faith and witness of Fred Rogers, as uh, Tracy told us, a Presbyterian minister who never pastored a church. His, his pulpit was his, his television show for children. Um, and though he, he um, never mentions God by name in the show, or very, very rarely did, uh, he still spoke profound messages of faith and life and what it means to embody what Jesus teaches us about how to be a good neighbor. Um, as we, we heard in our first lesson, and we'll hear in our second lesson as well. Um, today we're continuing our Lenten series, Character and Calling, where uh, instead of thinking of things we're giving up for Lent, we're trying to take up things on our way to Jerusalem um, and take up uh, different moral character traits. Uh, and so today, appropriately, our character trait is neighborliness, uh, inspired, of course, by Fred Rogers. But in our reading today from Philippians, Paul, I think, strikes a very Mr. Rogers-like tone. Um, and here, I, I think Paul articulates what he believes, um, what, what Paul believes is what makes a good neighbor. Um, so uh, today we're going to try to think about the character trait of neighborliness, how we might be good neighbors to one another. Uh, and as we do so, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fourth chapter of Philippians, beginning with the second verse, picking up exactly where we left off last week. Loved ones, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyk to come to an agreement in the Lord. Yes, and I am also asking you, loyal friend, to help these women who have struggled together with me in the ministry of the gospel, along with Clement, and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the scroll of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but bring up all your requests to God and your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God, which exceeds all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on all these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever had two friends we love very, very much, not get along and disagree about something? No, I have. In a former congregation, we were engaging in a vital mission project for um, 
the, the future mission and vision of the church. Of course, I'm talking about renovating the church kitchen. <laughs> Interestingly, we were renovating a whole lot of other parts of the church, and there was no uh, conflicts or discrepancies about that, but there are a whole lot of opinions about the church kitchen. One group felt that this was our opportunity to make our church kitchen a commercial kitchen that would allow us to expand our fellowship ministry, to be able to host larger events, and to do so with proper food safety equipment and techniques, stainless steel counters, large capacity ovens, refrigerators, high temperature dishwashers, and so on. But the other group was deeply concerned that such a move might prove prohibitive to the group of older women who volunteered to do much of the meal prep and thought they wouldn't be able to handle the new, the new appliances and, and uh, techniques that they would have to learn. Instead, these folks lobbied for newer versions of basic appliances and fixtures that were currently in the kitchen. They still wanted it to feel like a home kitchen. You can see how both groups had good intentions for the space and mission of the church. Perhaps you can also see how I, as a recent seminary grad, didn't want to touch this issue with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> now, eventually, these two groups were able to come together. They were able to, to uh, agree on a sort of hybrid approach to move forward with. And I want to carefully note, this had nothing to do with my um, diplomatic abilities in bringing these two groups together, though I tried. But they came together simply because they loved each other. And through this love, they were able to understand the other side's perspective and were able to be gentle and neighborly to one another. It can be difficult when there's disagreement and conflict, can't it? Fred Rogers dealt with this topic often in his show as neighborhood guests and puppets would act out their disagreements. They'd act out hurt feelings and so on as they sought to show children how they can manage their big feelings and work together in the midst of conflict in a spirit of love and gentleness. Or we might sum it up in our word today, neighborliness. This kind of neighborly love and gentleness is on Paul's mind in our lesson. He's writing to the Philippians, a church that he loves so dearly, but they're having a rough go of it because of a conflict between these two well-meaning leaders, Euodia and Syntyk. And to make matters worse, Paul's writing from prison, and he can't even be there with them to help them with their conflict. So he feels helpless in, their ability, in his ability to help them in this time. So he asked for his good friend to which he addresses the letter, as well as the whole community to find their unity together in Christ, to let their love and support for one another guide them in a path forward. Really, he is commending them to a path of neighborliness. Now, what does this look like? What does this path of neighborliness look like to Paul? Well, it begins with his his twice-fold uh, uh, imperative to rejoice. 
Now, this might seem like a strange way for Paul to kick off his description of neighborliness, but there are two really important things about the word he uses here, kairete uh, in Greek. The first set is that this word Paul uses for joy is plural. Second person plural, to be exact. So you all rejoice, or for us southern folks, or uh, for I'm not a southerner uh, by, by nature, but for as, as I've come to learn, rejoice, y'all. <laughs> this joy Paul commends to, to them is, is shared. It's shared. Neighborliness is all about sharing joy with one another. The second thing about this word, kairete, we need to know is that Paul gives it as a command. It's an imperative. I'll be honest with you, friends, I changed the reading this morning because the common English Bible translation I read from posits kairete as be glad, which to me doesn't really capture what Paul's trying to say. Because this kind of shared joy is not optional. It's an active joy. It needs to be practiced and lived out together in community. Of course, this doesn't mean that we have to pretend to be happy when we're not, but rather this, this kind of rejoicing calls us to seek out opportunities to share joy with one another as a community, as a family of faith. Now, after giving the imperative for shared joy, Paul then calls the Philippians to treat one another with gentleness. This could be another way of, of saying extend grace to one another. We never fully know what our neighbors are going through. So having a default setting of gentleness in how we treat each other allows us to extend grace and love to each other as we battle the storms of life. Fred Rogers truly embodies this spirit of love and gentleness in all that he does, in all that he did in the show. And I think he could sum it up with the spirit with one of his favorite... You could sum up the spirit of his with one of his favorite sayings that he would often close out the show with. You know, you've made this a special day. You know how, by just your being you. There's no one else like you in the whole world, and I like you just as you are. Paul goes on to talk about prayer from here. So, he goes from rejoicing to gentleness to prayer. And how prayer has this, this powerful ability to overcome our worries, the things that we are anxious about. And that's if we're willing to lift up whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're concerned with, prayer has this ability to give us peace. Importantly, this includes lifting up our neighbor's concerns and worries as well. You know, we have a tendency to sweep issues and struggles under the rug, to put on a good face. But Paul reminds us that neighborliness hinges on being open and honest with God and each other on the things with which we are struggling. While Mr. Rogers' neighborhood does not address prayer by name, he embodies this spirit of lifting up and bringing up difficult things with his young television audience. One of his mantras that I just love, um, 
is he would often say, uh, not on the show so much, but with uh, his writers and with people around him, he would often say, whatever is mentionable is manageable. Whatever is mentionable is manageable. And he would frequently bring up difficult issues like death, divorce, conflicts, and so on. After Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in one of his very first years of having the television show, Fred hosted a primetime special, dealing with the trauma and concerns of the moment, the fears, the worries, the sadness of the world. Whatever is mentionable is manageable. In this way, he embodies what Paul is saying to the the Philippians. If we can name it together as a community, if we can lift it up in prayer to God, God's peace surpasses all understanding. We'll keep our hearts and minds together in Christ. If we can lift it up in prayer, we can trust that God's peace is with us and will keep us and hold us together. Even in the most uncertain, concerning, fearful times. I think that's a really powerful message for us in the world that we find ourselves in today, isn't it? Now, Paul wraps up this little section by summing up everything he said on neighborliness, saying what I think is a very Mr. Rogers-like thing, by saying, think on these things. Think on these things, all that is good and admirable and holy and loving and gentle. Think on these things. Think about these things and then go do them. Live them out in practice. In seeking to instill a loving, gentle spirit of neighborliness amongst the Philippians, he asks them to think about all these traits that make a good neighbor and then go and do them, practice them, live them out with one another. Think on these things. Rejoicing, loving, gentle, neighborliness. It challenges us as people of faith to think about the people in our lives who embody this kind of neighborliness. I can think of so many people throughout my own life that embody this and have given me an archetype of what a good neighbor means from my family and friends who who raised me with loving and gentle hearts to a tennis coach I had who taught me how to keep my composure even when things were going so downhill and to be a good sport no matter what to my first uh, general presbyter, or um, to to non-clergy types, uh, pastor to the pastors, who taught me that loving the congregation was more important than any big seminary idea or sermon I could ever come up with. I could name more and more uh, folks uh, that, that remind me of this kind of neighborliness, but really the important thing is for all of us to think about these things, to think about these people in our lives that embody this kind of neighborliness. Once we think about that, to go and do them in practice. Fred Rogers would often end speeches with an exercise that I think strikes a very similar chord what Paul's doing here, and I'd like for us to do it together as we seek to embody the kind of neighborliness Fred and Paul commend us towards as a people of faith. 
You know, each of us come to where we are in life because of the love, support, and neighborliness of the special people in our lives. Now, this is more of a direct quote from Fred, but I'd like to give you a special gift, an invisible gift of a silent minute to think about those people in your lives who have loved you, the people in your lives who have loved you just as you are, and who embody this kind of gentle neighborliness. So let's take a minute, and I'll keep track to make sure it's a true minute, and think about these people in your lives. Some of them may still be a big part of your life. Some of them may be with the church uh, eternal in heaven. But wherever they are, Let's spend a silent minute in honor of those who have cared for us. Whoever you've been thinking about, or maybe you've been thinking about a couple of people, imagine how grateful they are, how grateful they must be that you decided to think about them during the special moment, and how proud they are of the person you are today. Friends, as we continue on our Lenten journey together, let us remember these special folks in our lives who taught us this kind of love and gentle neighborliness, and seek to practice that, seek to emulate that, and live that out in our lives as we seek to be good neighbors to those around us. As I wrap up the sermon, I want us in true Mr. Rogers fashion to uh, move on from the sermon, move on from what I'm talking about, to sing about what we've just been talking about. So we have a special hymn for... for um, our, our second hymn today that was written by our denomination uh, in honor of this, this uh, special day of celebrating Mr. Rogers. Today would have been his birthday, by the way, uh, so that, that's why the denomination picked this day to celebrate Fred Rogers. So um, let, Let's sing what we've, uh, a song that, that kind of encapsulates what we've been talking about as we seek together to be good neighbors, to put this love and gentleness into practice and how we treat one another, and how we live in peace with the world around us. May it be so, friends. Amen.